as I was sitting with the scripture this last week, I kept wrestling with it and really wondering what I was going to preach about today. Because the challenge behind the scripture was there's so many things to talk about, but for me as I was praying about it, it seems like there was nothing to talk about. But as I was looking very carefully and really reading it over and over, there was a subtlety that caught my eye. I've studied this passage for years, and the focus has always been on the temptations, the three temptations that the devil brought Jesus to and led Jesus to. But when I really looked carefully, I, I really misunderstood and misread that passage. Because the focus in that Gospel of Matthew is not actually the temptations, but it's the first couple of verses in our Gospel reading today where Jesus was led into the desert first by the Holy Spirit and secondly spent 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. The reason why this is significant, especially for Matthew, is because he's writing to a Jewish community. His emphasis and focus is not the temptations, but how the Exodus journey influences and in, invites the reader to see the temptation in a completely different light. And so I'm going to try to attempt to explain it in a very short and concise way. But the question that we have to begin to look at and, and wrestle with for ourselves is what role does God play in our life? Because let's take ourselves back into the Exodus journey. God appears to Moses on Mount Sinai, telling him and promising him that he will take his people to the promised land. That this promised land he's going to take them is filled with milk and honey. And that land they're going to go to will allow them to worship God wholeheartedly. The challenge is for those people, they didn't see and trust in God. They come to this new land and they were instructed that they have to go conquer this people. The people that were living there at the promised land. And as they sent spies to see, they come back to report, these people are so much stronger, so much bigger than us. How can we conquer them? So therefore they lived in fear, didn't trust in God, and didn't believe that God can conquer and allow them to enter into the promised land. But they forgot that they've walked through the desert. They've forgotten they have been freed from the slavery. They've been freed from Pharaoh. They've walked through the Red Sea. They've forgotten the good things that God has done and has blessed them in their lives. So with that framework in mind, let us look at the three temptations. The first one we hear is turning, turning stones into bread. The first thing Satan attacks is our senses. If we really understand our senses, our senses are the gateway through which we understand the world. If we don't have our eyes, how do we get to see the world? If we lose our vision, it becomes a struggle for us because we can't fully grasp our surroundings. I remember as a kid playing those games where you kind of cover, you know, cover your ears and expect to have a conversation with someone. 
And I know interiorly, as I was wrestling with that game, it kind of really bothered me and it made me uncomfortable because I lost one of my senses. So I couldn't understand, it couldn't come to the grasp of my surroundings. So when we lose our senses, we lose our perception and view of the world. But the question becomes in that temptation, my dear brothers and sisters, is, is our senses the last thing and the only thing we can come to understand the world? And is our senses and what we've perceived from our senses the end-all, be-all? Think of it this way. When you're sitting at a Thanksgiving table with all these delicious food at hand, and you filled yourself with all this delicious food, and dessert comes out, is eating more dessert that much better for us? It's not. But our senses is telling us that no, we need to devour that, that pumpkin pie. No, we need to devour that pecan pie. No, we need to devour that apple pie. And in devouring those things, we will be satisfied. But at the end of the day, honestly, are we really satisfied? We come back finishing that dessert, almost honestly feeling sick to our stomach. But that perception and that view of what we're doing, what we have in front of us, seems so good. Seems like it's a smart thing to do. Seems like we should and ought to do that. But instead, it makes us sick. It makes us uncomfortable. It makes us unhappy. The second temptation we get to is the, Satan is then taking Jesus up to the parapet of the temple. And as he looks over, he tells Jesus, if you just fall, we know in Scripture that the angels will come save you. So we see the temptation of miracles, of power. But let me ask you this, my dear brothers and sisters. We know all the miracles and things Jesus has done throughout his life. What is the reason for miracles? Why did God heal the sick? Why did he raise Lazarus from the dead? Why did he allow the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the mute to speak? It's not because Jesus needed this recognition. It's not the fact that Jesus was trying to show off to everyone how powerful he is, how he's truly a God. But at the end of the day, every single miracle he's done was to show the love of the Father, to show us how much we are loved by the Father. He wants to heal us from our pain and from our suffering. So in our daily lives, we're seeking and asking for miracles. Because how many of us here spend time in prayer? How many of us are bringing our suffering to the Lord? Because in bringing those suffering to the Lord, we're asking for healing. We're asking the Lord to shower us with his love. But instead, Satan wants to bring Jesus to the, the temple and ask him to show off. So many times in our lives, we too want to show off. We want to show people how good we are, how better we are than others. We want to be the center of attention in everything that we do. Because we forget 
who the most powerful creature, most powerful being is. We forget why we're given this power, why we're given these blessings. It's not for us just to hold it a hort to ourselves, but these blessings are ways God has manifested his love for us, on ways he has shown us that he's there when we're suffering, he's there when we're in pain. But how many of us realize and see that? How many of us are able to recognize it? Because we're so driven by the, the image, the idea of power. We're so driven by that recognition, by that praise of others. Finally, he's brought to see the kingdoms of the world and is told by Satan, if you come worship me, you can have all of this. You can have all of this. So how do we see our life, this kingdom of God? We get to see all of nature, the beauty of nature, especially for us living in Texas. We get all this crazy weather up and down. Sometimes it's hot, another day it's cold, another day it's freezing. But how do we see the world around us? How do we see Satan in that? Because if I asked you today, how many of us worship God or how many of us actually worship Satan? All of us, would, I hope, would say, we worship God. We hold God to be the, the God of our lives. And Satan has no room in our lives. We say that. But we forget the fact that Satan comes about in the world in many different ways. If we look at our lives and honestly ask, we say we worship God, but what is the most important thing in our life? Is it actually God? Or is it the God of money? Is it the God of power? Is it the God of greed, of envy, of selfishness? Because we say we don't worship Satan, but those things are the road that Satan has led us to. The things that the Satan has convinced us that is so sweet. Yes, look at this whole world. If you worship me, I can give you it all. If you worship me, I'll give you more power. If you follow me, I'll give you more money. Have we thought of the fact that if we follow God, there's going to be less money, but we're more happy? But instead, we turn and say, no, 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 I want greed. I want more money. I want more power. I want to be selfish and hold all of these things for myself. It's no different than us saying, I'm going to just follow Satan. Because the way of God is the way of love. The way of God is complete gift of self. The way of God allows us to be generous and allows God to enter into our lives. But if we listen to greed, if we listen to selfishness, if we listen to envy, what and who is important in those moments? Who is important in those situations? It's not God, I can tell you that. It's the way in which Satan is leading us away, showing us the beauty of what the world can provide for us, not what God can provide for us. So then what does this really mean for us today? The struggle of our life, my dear brothers and sisters, the struggle of Lent right now is the importance of where does God live and play within our lives?
everything we do, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving in this Lent allows us to rekindle that relationship. It's our time this Lent to focus most importantly on that relationship with God. But the challenge becomes we forget God. We forget why we're doing Lent. Because some of us have prepped our Lenten observance. We've prepped what we're going to give up during Lent. Some of us have decided to give up sugar. But what is giving up sugar really doing for us? Is giving up sugar allowing us to deepen that relationship with God? Instead of focusing on the world, I'm giving more time to God. Or is giving up sugar just because it's healthier for me? It's better for me. Others have decided to give up work, you know, to work out more. To spend more time working out. Others have decided to do Exodus 90. Others have decided to spend more time in scripture. Other, other people have said, I'm going to take time off from my phone. All of these things are great. All of these things are great to do. But what are we really doing for Lent? We are reminded in scripture today that everything we do has to be oriented to God and has to be tied to the fact that everything is meant for the kingdom of God. Everything is meant for that relationship with him. Everything is meant for us to experience that land that God has promised us, where milk and honey flows, where we will be able to worship God, and that destiny is heaven, my dear brothers and sisters. So everything we do in Lent should allow us and should orient us to focus on our journey to heaven. That's why Lent is described as a time for us to train, for us to get stronger, for us to get better in our spiritual warfare against Satan. But instead, for some of us, it's our opportunity to focus on our health, to focus on ourselves, to do what we wanted to do, but we couldn't do ourselves. So as we begin our Lenten journey, my dear brothers and sisters, our goal should be focused on our relationship with God and building our way to the kingdom of heaven. So everything that we do, whether that's the praying, the fasting, the almsgiving, should therefore be focused on how we're going to get there. When I spend more time in prayer, I begin to recognize and realize the need for God daily in my life. I can't do what I'm called to do on my own. I can't do or live out a life of virtue and holiness without the grace of God. I'm giving alms not because I'm just cutting off the top of my paycheck and throwing it at someone in charity. But in my givings of alms, I'm recognizing my brothers and sisters as created in the image and likeness of God. I'm recognizing and realizing that I'm connected to my brothers and sisters. So when my brothers and sisters are hurting, I myself am hurting too because I am part of the body of Christ. Fasting. I am more focused on my relationship with God than anything else. I will set that as my priority. I will not let anything else in my life control me, whether that's my appetites, my feelings, my thoughts, my words. That everything I do should manifest, should be modeled after the life of Christ.
And that's what we're working towards during Lent. That's what we're going towards when we approach Holy Week. Because at the end of the day, we're following Christ more deeply and intimately. So let us take this time as we enter the first weeks of Lent to set ourselves on the right path, heading the right direction, and knowing where we're going at the end of Lent. It's not towards ourselves, it's not towards the world, but building our way to the kingdom of God. Amen.